The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. This week on the show, we're talking about a new dog bite study that aims to provide parents with information that can help them decide what type of dog to own. Dr. Charles Amaragi, the study's co-author, who is an associate professor of otolaryngology at Ohio State's College of Medicine and is chief of otolaryngology at Nationwide Children's Hospital, will join us later in the show. And of course, we kick off segment three with the I likey of the week. Since Charlotte has been hitting the road lately, her I likeys are being found throughout the country. Following her choice pick, Charlotte and I will be talking doghouses. July is Doghouse Repair Month. But in this segment, we will not talk about how to repair a doghouse. Instead, our featured guest is Michelle Pollock from La Petite Maison. Miss Pollock is joining us to talk about the newest trends in doghouses. Now, this is a segment not to be missed. Meow This. The trailer is out for the new Cats movie, and we will be giving you our impressions of it. I have to admit, it is a bit creepy. The costumes, anyway. And also in segment two, Flex Facts. I'll be talking to Dr. Fleck about what to do if your dog starts waking you up in the middle of the night. That should be interesting. And let's kick off the show with recognizing and preventing canine heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Dr. Colin Reich, Assistant Teaching Professor, Small Animal Emergency and Critical Care Medicine at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine, will be talking about the subject matter. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start off with the first question. So, you know, the temperatures are soaring, and I think a lot of people are confused between heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So can you tell us what they both are and and kind of let us know what the differences between the two are. So heat-related illness is actually a continuum of disease and typically starts with heat cramps, where you might see muscle cramping from electrolyte and water depletion. However, your core temperature remains normal. Then you'll progress to heat exhaustion, where an animal might look fatigued, they might show weakness and develop vomiting and diarrhea. Their core temperature is still normal, but it may be slightly elevated. And then the most severe is actually heat stroke, where there's severe central nervous system depression from an elevation in core temperature, which is usually greater than 106 degrees Fahrenheit in dogs. And then they look depressed or lethargic, show weakness or collapse, and they may walk with a kind of a drunken gait, and they can even become unresponsive or have seizures. Uh, It can be difficult to differentiate heat exhaustion uh, from heat stroke, and both should be treated the same and treated Similarly, in that you should bring your dog to the veterinarian immediately. Basically, if it's hot outside for you, it's definitely hot outside for your dog as well. And you need to be uh, very careful about um, them overheating. 
Wow. I mean, the risk factors, I mean, so I take my dog to the veterinarian. What Then what happens? I mean, I guess I should take my dog to the veterinarian. Should I try to cool him off myself or? Yeah. If you recognize that your dog may be overheated at home, um, it is very important to, to cool them as quickly as we can. What I would recommend is that um, we basically, um, you can kind of hose dogs off um, outside or give them a bath, but you want to make sure that the water temperature that you use is actually close to room temperature. Uh, if it's ice cold, you may actually cause some constriction of blood vessels in the skin, and you may actually reduce the ability of the body to, to release that heat. So one yeah. of the things that I've seen on the internet is you, you know, you see this, this classic picture of this English bulldog and <laughs> his tongue is hanging out and they've got really long tongues and he's lying there surrounded by ice. So no ice, correct? Water is going to be the most effective and then also using fans to cool them off. Okay. Um, using ice uh, can be used. However, I would recommend that um, that be done by a veterinarian because we use ice in particular parts of the body, such as kind of over the neck where the big great vessels are um, that go back to your heart, uh, kind of groin regions. But we want to make sure that we don't cause injury with ice. You want to make sure that there's always a towel uh, between the patient and the ice. So we know there's no evidence that the temperatures are going to drastically change over the next few weeks. They're not going to get lower. They're not going to get lower. So what can pet owners do to protect their pets and prevent heat exhaustion or heat stroke? Well, at the end of the day, if it is hot outside, and if you think it's hot outside, I can almost guarantee you that it's going to be hot outside for your pet as well. So I'd be very cautious about um, over-exercising them in the heat, especially, um, and definitely um, do not leave them in the car uh, for any period of time uh, during the summer months. How about, how about walking the pets outside? What, what's your suggestion for that? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it's always going to be a little bit of a judgment call. Um, but if your dog is panting significantly, um, you're going to want to cut your walks um, down quite a bit. And you may actually want to carry water with you. Um, but just make sure that you don't push them beyond their limits because um, the effects of heat stroke can be absolutely devastating. Yeah, and I would think early morning walks yeah. and later evening walks would probably be great. Or maybe just if your pet is one of those who can just, you know, has been house trained for a while, will just run outside and just, you know, pee really quickly or poop really quickly and come back in. The other thing I think is yeah. also really helpful are a lot of people have cooling vests. Uh, cooling apparel and uh, gel mats, for example, that kind of keeps them a little cooler. But I think it's also important to realize that not all cooling uh, apparel is necessarily great. And it's not meant to be worn all day long. So I think a lot of people make that mistake. So cooling, like if you have like if you have a bandana or something, you wet it down, it's meant to cool you off or so just um, do before I think you buy any cooling apparel or buy any mats. Um, you take a good look at some of the reviews on the internet. I always think that's a good thing to do. Don't you think, sure, Dr. Flair? Sure. I do. Or get Dr. Reich's recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah. there's so I mean, there's so many people in the pet industry making products these days. You kind of want to know what's good and what's not good. Dr. Reich, thank you so much for joining us today. That was Really interesting, inappropriate. Yeah, appropriate. Time. I mean, I think we saw over the weekend, there was a last weekend there, because, yeah, I think we saw last weekend there was a dog, 
um, that had died um, because of heat stroke. Yeah. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of wanting to take their dogs to flea markets and outdoor activity in the summer. And you see all these dogs like just heavily panting. Oh, you know, I have one more question because I think this is really important. Oh, and Dr. I actually said it. You know, if it's too hot, maybe for you, it's maybe too That's hot right. for your pet. But let's talk about... Um, paw pads because i noticed that a lot of the, i've been seeing a, a lot on the internet and in the newspaper uh you know it's so hot people's uh dogs paws are are actually burning they're burning right through the paw pads what should we do for that should we put the paws in cold water initially yes you should put the paws in in cold water um, and then again i would take them to um, a veterinarian to, to have them evaluate the, the paw pads uh, because significant damage can occur especially when Dogs are walked on the really hot, you know, blacktop. Um, so again, I what I try to do is I would I would think about if you if you went outside and walked bare feet on the on the pavement, um, that would be pretty significant um, in terms of the the damage that could be done. So if it's going to be hot for you on the pavement, again, it's going to be hot for your dog as well. And again, if you walk your dogs at sunrise and sunset, that's probably the best time. I would say that's the best time. Uh, just be careful about humidity because if the humidity is still very high, um, even though uh, it's early morning or late afternoon, um, it can still be pretty um, pretty significant on your pet. Great, great point. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. That was Dr. Colin Reich, a teaching assistant teaching professor at University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. To learn more, visit cvm.missouri.edu. You stick around with us, the dynamic pet duo, because later in the show, we're going to learn how Internet bullies bashed Ivanka Trump for her new choice of a dog for her daughter. (laughs) Up next, the 411 about celebrity pet gossip and more, including flex facts. There, we're going to talk about what to do if your pet is waking up in the middle of the night to pee. pee. Stay tuned. My name is Mike Ruiz, and I was born and raised in Montreal, Canada, and now I live in New Jersey. The thing that made me fall in love with Oliver was the very first time I met him, he was being fostered by a friend of mine whom I was visiting. I opened the door to my friend's house, and Oliver came running up to me, sat at my feet, and looked up at me with the most beautiful, big, brown, soulful eyes. And within 24 hours, I had filled out all the paperwork, and Oliver was my son. I've experienced a lot of discrimination with Oliver. We would walk down the street, and people would literally cross the street. We know when they would see us coming, you know, they saw like a menacing pit bull type dog. It just found it so baffling because Oliver was the sweetest, gentlest creature that I've ever met in my entire life. Sadly, I lost Oliver in August of 2018. I wanted to commemorate him in a way that was very meaningful. So I got this tattoo of him. It's just such an amazing thing. Knowing that I carry him in my heart, I now carry him on my arm. My name is Mike Ruiz, and Oliver and I are individuals. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And now, what you've been waiting for, the Celebrity Pet Scoop. Here's some pet food for thought. All I can say is, meow. That's right. <laughs> 
Have you seen the Cats movie trailer? Well, if you have, visit our social media channels now and watch it. Let's just say, Dr. Fleck, it's creepy. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. According to CNN, the trailer for Cats, the movie adaptation of the long-running Broadway musical, has hit the Internet. And, well, let's say the Internet has just slapped it back. You know, slap your mama. You know, so as the hashtag Cats movie trended worldwide, Twitter exploded with phrases like, like I said, creepy and weird, car crash and nightmare fuel. I don't know about car crash or nightmare fuel. I just think creepy and weird. I think that I got creeped out because the actors are covered in creepy fur and their movements are so cat-like or feline-like. It seems that the director, Tom Hopper, decided to use this digital fur technology to fluff out stars like Jennifer Hudson, Judy Dench, Jason Derulo, James Corden, and yes, cat lover Taylor Swift, like with these cat-like bodies while leaving their faces largely human. Of course, they have hands and feet. The resulting hybrids have ears and swishing tails, like I said, hands and feet, but I will say this. The singing is beautiful, right, Dr. Fleck? You saw the trailer. Well, we have a difference of opinion about this anyway. But, yeah, the scene was wonderful. And the sets are beautiful. But watching the trailer gave me the willy. So you don't agree, huh? Nope. I, I really liked the trailer. I thought it was uh, well presented, and I didn't find it creepy at all. I think it's well presented. I just think everybody looks creepy. Well, anyway, last Well, there are people dressed up as cats. Well, they're not dressed. It's digital technology. So, lastly, CNN reported that it's a case of art ignoring science. Supposedly, there's a real psychological phenomena behind the horrified reactions. And they say that Tom Hopper should have researched before embracing the film's admittedly bizarre creative choices. I think they're really thinking focus group. So I'm curious to see what you all think. Uh, Check out the Cat Crawler and let me know if you think it's creepy. Tweet me or post your comments on Facebook. Or if you agree with Dr. Fleck, Mm -hmm. say you agree with Dr. Fleck. You can even write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. Okay, so moving on. Now, are you guys ready? Dr. Fleck, are you ready for Flex Facts? Yes. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Or fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's gonna take long. You got the time. So this week, Dr. Fleck and I were reading an article on Slate Online, which really talked about someone having to wake up in the middle of the night and let their dog out. Now, instead of actually talking to a veterinarian, they went to Slate Online. Okay, Slate's kind of, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of like this really cheeky, like, you know, urban, cheeky, cheeky, cheeky (laughs) urban, like online. It's really well written, but it's more of a liberal thought based kind of magazine. Well, I just kind of got offended because the article didn't say anything. It didn't seek any advice out from a veterinarian. It was just like the animal columnist advice, which, like I said, didn't include a veterinarian. So I wanted to tackle the subject matter today with you and hear what you have to say. So here's the deal. Dr. Fleck, if your dog is waking you up in the middle of the night or early in the morning hours, should you be concerned? How aggravating. Think about it. You're in deep sleep in the middle of the night Uh huh. and your dog jumps on you if they're small enough, sometimes mm-hmm. if they're big enough, or 
they scratch the mat next to the, the bed, the mat that you're sleeping on. But if they're on. waking up to go out and they don't normally do it, it's a 12-year-old dog, do you need to be concerned? Well, are they waking you up to go out? That's yes, the question. Yes, they're waking you up to go out. So if it's an older dog that needs to go out, it may have some issues that are health issues, probably in the urinary tract, that you need to take care of. Okay, it also could be a puppy who can't hold it and is crying to go out, like you said. Or behavior-wise, they, they're just doing this. Okay, or it could be a dog, maybe that's taking medication. So if you go to the veterinarian and be practical about it, like I'm trying to emphasize, you can find out if this is just behavioral or whether there's a health issue that we have to take care of. Okay, if there's a frequent urination in dogs, can that be a health problem? And what could those health problems be? Obviously, you haven't seen the dog, but what could those health problems be? Well, it would be in the urinary tract, probably, mm-hmm. which means it would be either in the bladder or in the kidney. Mm-hmm. And so it should be evaluated by a veterinarian. Okay. So what other factors before we make the appointment should be weary of? Like in terms of the dog's waking us up, but what, what other things should we be able to tell him? Are they straining when they go to the potty? Mm-hmm. Are they having more frequent urinations? Again, they could be asking, are they asking to go out at different times, like the middle of the night? Then that may indicate that there's a problem. It's the instinct of the of the pet owner that knows that something is irregular from what the normal is. Okay. So that's when you know you need to go to the veterinarian. So when you're at the vet, what can you expect? You call, you make the vet appointment. The first thing that the veterinarian is going to do is go through that litany of questions uh-huh. as we're going through. More frequent urination. Is you, do you notice an odor? Are they straining? Uh, is it during the middle of the night they can't hold it, uh, et cetera? Then the first thing that we'll probably want to do is take a, a urinalysis, take a urine sample and do a urinalysis. Mm-hmm. Then the next phase might be, and I don't want to determine what veterinarians are going to do, but what I would do is I would want to maybe pull blood mm-hmm. and look at the kidney function. Right. And uh, finally, even though it, it can be a, a problem that doesn't show up in, in urine or doesn't show up in blood, you you might have to take an x-ray because right. there could be a small bladder stone that might be in there that could be irritated. So it could be a whole myriad of things. Right. That's why you take them to the veterinarian when you're having these issues. Right. And eventually there could be dye involved, ultrasound, correct? I mean, these are like extreme cases. That is extreme cases if you can't discover what seems to be the problem. Right. But you know what? If you go through those, at least those few testings, then you kind of think this just might be behavioral and an aging pet. Okay. Just like us. Right. get up in the middle of the night and go potty. But like you said, making the correct diagnosis is important. So you never want to just assume maybe it's a garden variety, especially if it's a 12 or 14-year-old dog. Oh, absolutely. If it's 12 or 14 years old, you have a pretty good idea that there's some aging processes that are going on. Right. Just like people. I mean, yeah, like I have to get up in the middle of the night. That's what I just said. You get up and go in the middle of the night all the time. Well, still to come on the Pet Buzz, Uh, uh. Global Pet News, and a new dog bite study. And don't miss my I Like of the Week and info on the newest trend in dog houses. Come on, lady. Over here. That's a girl. Good night, lady. Oh, now, don't worry, darling. She'll go right to sleep. that now.
stop it? Remember, just for tonight. <laughs> you are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. Are you wondering about my I Likey of the Week? Yes. That's the way. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Well, I just came back from Denver, one of the greatest pet cities in the United States. And while I was there, I was on Fox Denver providing tips and gadgets. That was Fox Denver TV. Yeah, to keep pets cool. But my likey is about where I stay. So while in Denver, my favorite place to stay is the Kimptons Hotel Monaco. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Kimptons are pet friendly, even supplying guests with bowls, beds, and more. And they don't charge a pet fee, which I think is great. They are a little bit more expensive, but it's a nice hotel with a great staff. They're great hotels. Yeah. And they have a cocktail hour. At four o'clock in the afternoon where you can have some wine. So it might be a little bit more, but it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. You can bring your pet. So I stayed in one of the corner rooms. So I like staying in the corner rooms at that specific hotel because there's a longer hallway. And if you have a dog, you can play a little game of fetch with your dog in your room. Now, here's the thing about fetch. I always make sure that I bring some pet mate chuck it soft toys to play with. Because that way, if they bounce up against the walls, there's not a problem. And I will say this. The hotel staff at this hotel is really, truly professional, and they love dogs. They greeted me and Ty with a pad and a big welcome. They they love Ty there. One of the staff members, his name is, check this out, Kansas K-State Dave. He was from Kansas, <laughs> so K-State Dave. He... I, I said to him, you know, I needed some uh, dog food for Ty because I didn't have any dog food. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I think another guest left some food like a day ago. So it's still really fresh. So he found some quality food and he suggested a pet store. And not only that, he told me I could go across the street to the 7-Eleven if I had to, if, if that was the case. So if your dog is looking for a friend, you could always meet other dogs who were staying there. I met this beautiful dog named Solo in the lobby and he had three little 
tiny girls as playmates. They were checking in with their mom and he was nice. I also met a young couple and they had a Shih Tzu and Ty and the Shih Tzu got along really well. So we went on a walk together, which I thought was nice around the neighborhood. And lastly, we're there. We got to help out with one of the hotel's upcoming initiatives puppies and Prosecco. So to celebrate National Dog Day in style, there's a puppies and Prosecco package. You can book a night in their luxury suite and receive your own private puppy party with puppies from Lifeline Puppy Rescue. Now, I've posted pictures so you can see how cute the puppies are. You enjoy a puppy party with the dogs. You can sip Prosecco. You can nibble on Italian hors d'oeuvres from their great Italian restaurant, Panzano, and 50% of the proceeds will be donated to Lifeline Puppy Rescue, a local non-kill rescue for young puppies throughout the Rocky Mountain area. And this offer is valid from August 23rd to the 26th. It's available when you book into the luxury suite. Now, it's expensive, but remember, half the proceeds go to Lifeline Puppy Rescue. The rates are flexible, but it's like starts around 550. So call 1-800-990-1303 to book the suite. You, you know what I wonder? What? Puppy parties. Those are a new thing. I wonder if designers of clothing are going to come up with new designs of clothes for the puppy parties. There's plenty of puppy parties and hats, but that's more for birthdays. But this was just great. And I actually will put up a picture well, of me. who's the great me. designers? Aren't they going to come up with uh, something? Let me tell you. Okay. I'm going to post a picture All of me right, playing okay, with the puppies. Okay. And you can see the good quality Prosecco that you're going to drink. Just trying to expand the economy. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. Well, I've been told our next guest is on the phone. Well, if you don't know, July is Doghouse Repair Month, and we believe that dogs are members of the family and they should be welcome at home. So instead of talking about doghouse repairs, we'll be talking about the doghouse designs that are popular with architects and home builders who kind of refer to this craft as barkitectures. <laughs> so designers say they love dog houses because they're small and fun and there's lots of room for great creativity. So joining us today to talk architecture is Michelle Pollock, an interior designer who creates custom dog houses under the name La Petite Masson. Michelle, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So traditionally, dog houses were where dogs actually lived separate from the family. But now that dogs are increasingly considered members of the family, what are the new dog houses like? And can you describe the newest trends in dog houses? I don't know that I'd call it a trend necessarily, but I think the way that people have come to see their pets, hopefully it's more than a trend. It's here to stay um, because a trend comes and goes. But I think people are paying so much more attention to their pets now that unlike the dog houses of old where they were simply these kind of afterthoughts in the backyard and at least our dog houses, the pet has some place to actually go for cover, although it's a <laughs> quite a luxury spot to go to, <laughs> to be honest, the place to go. <laughs> so luxury is the trend. So can you describe like one of your average dog houses? So all of our dog houses are actually custom designed and built. And many of our clients want to match their house style. So for example, if you have a, a French style home, then somebody will commission a French style dog house. Cool. On the flip side, some people want to match their dog breed. So if you have a French poodle, they might commission a French chateau. 
Ooh, we get all interesting. Kinds. <laughs> now, I noticed on your website you have some examples of dog houses. Are those ones that you offer, or are the have those been you know custom made selections already? So all of the dog houses that are shown on our website, we have done for our clients previously. They're just to give you a showcase of what can be done and things we have actually done. Okay, because that's really interesting because I thought there were like seven available on the website, including this Burmese mountain dog sitting next to a Swiss chalet. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about the features do they have? Like, is there carpeting? Most of them are either hardwood or in many cases, they can be tile or marble. And the reason that it runs such a diverse gamut is because we go according to climate, according to client's preference, and according to the breed of dog. So, for example, in that Swiss chalet that you had just mentioned, uh-huh. we we put in a marble floor because that was specifically requested because the dog lived in a warmer climate, and obviously, Bernese Mountain dogs have a lots lot of hair, of fur and uh-huh. they overheat. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> how tall are these structures? <laughs> Doctor Fleck always wants to compare it to some giant football field. I know they vary because they're custom. Well. So the scale is always in proportion. And by that, I mean, if we're building for a a chihuahua, which we have, then that's a very small house. So maybe the the doghouse is two or three feet tall. If we're building for a Great Dane or, or, as we had talked about, a Bernese mountain dog, that might be a five or six foot tall doghouse that's actually the size of a playhouse. Now, I know... Michelle can't talk about her clients, but I know like, you know, in past years, we've seen Paris Hilton and she's got a huge dog house for all of her tiny dogs. Mm-hmm. And then recently, Kylie Jenner has a house for Norman and Bambi. So what about music? Do you play jams in the houses? <laughs> I love it. We all think alike. So yeah, there is indoor outdoor lighting. In many cases, there's AC. Um, in fact, we have a lot of funny stories about AC if you ever have time to ask. and. As far as music, in one or two of the houses that we've built, the client has asked us to install electrical so that they can install a sound system because apparently their dog likes a particular type of music, it's anxious, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I so they play little, music for the dog. I can hear a little Travis Scott, you know, for Norm and Bambi playing. Hey, you know what? And I can hear some of our listeners just biting at the bit. They want to get one. How long does it take to build one? They are all built by one builder and designer himself. So there's not a crew. So he he usually has a wait list going. These dog houses, they are basically works of art. And I consider it almost more of an art piece than a functional dog house. So if you look at it that way, I think it it changes the perspective. Who knows? It may appreciate as an art piece. I got to get one. Mm -hmm. I got to get one, Mm -hmm. Dr. Fleck. Mm -hmm. Well, Michelle, this was really fun. Thank you for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thank you both. I enjoyed the conversation. Well, that was Michelle Pollock, interior designer of beautiful dog homes. To learn more about Michelle and her business partner, visit LaPetiteMaison.com. Well, what's next? Global News and our last guest, Dr. Charles Amaraji, talking about a new dog bite study that can affect dog ownership. Stay with us because you don't want to miss this, especially if you're a parent. Not a pet parent, but a real parent. So I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but 
you know, she's putting him in the same basket again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide and go seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we are urban, suburban, and country. country. Now let's kick off the segment with global news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. You know, on Saturday evening, July 20th, at about 11 o'clock, Ivanka Trump shared a photo of a cute white puppy with piercing blue eyes that turned out to be a birthday gift for her daughter, Arabella's eighth birthday. Ivanka wrote on Instagram, meet winner Arabella's birthday dream come true and the newest member of the Kushner family. Well, the image of this new pet, this all white dog with piercing blue eyes, brought a flood of praise, admiration, and believe it or not, disgust. Mm -hmm. First, there was a debate about the breed of pooch. So some believe the dog to be an American Eskimo, a Samoite, which I think it's wrong because it's too small, or an Alaskan Klee but with several breeders insisting it's a Pomsky, a cross between a Siberian Husky and a Pomeranian. Now, some were disappointed that the pooch was not a rescue dog. Now, that's the same thing that happened to President Obama. Mm-hmm. You know, he got the Portuguese water dog, uh, Portuguese water dogs or the PWDs. People were upset that they didn't rescue a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was issue number two. Now, here's issue number three. So others spewed vile hatred, insisting that the Kushner family would only consider a white dog <laughs> and not a brown dog due to their racist family <laughs> and Aryan philosophy. Others wrote, if it was a brown dog, they would keep it in a cage referring to the confined Mexican children. Okay, so all I have to say is wake up, America. Having a dog is a great and bonding family experience. Americans of all sizes, ages, sexes, sexual persuasions, because you got to get that in there to be politically correct. There you go. Colors, you know, and religions can really enjoy a dog. (laughs) Kids and dogs are such an American concept. I mean, we've seen it in posters over the years, even remember with Spanky and the and the Bowery kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's that? What was that Spanky show? Remember Spanky and they yeah, had the, the Bull the, Terrier? The, the, the Bowery boys. No, that was the other one with oh. Satch. Whatever. But anyway, so we're so Happner happy. We are, Doc and I are so happy for the Kushner family and especially Arabella. We wish you a happy birthday, Arabella, and many blessings with winter, your first pooch, no matter how old you are. Okay, you will always remember your first dog. So all I have to say is God bless both of you. And now for our next guest. So joining us today is Dr. Charles Elmiragi, Associate Professor of Otolaryngology at Ohio State's College of Medicine and Chief of Otolaryngology at the Nationwide Children's Hospital. He is the co-author also to discuss this study. 
So, Dr. Almaragi, how many dog bites occur in the U.S. each year, and who is getting bit in? We see up to 5 million dog bites reported per year in the United States. And the reason that this is of particular interest to me is that one of the most particularly vulnerable populations is pediatric patients. And, and we see, you know, ages five to nine uh, years of age to be one of the most susceptible populations to being bitten. Are most of the people getting bitten um, young boys? Is that is that true? There is definitely a male predisposition. What prompted you to do this study? As a pediatric otolaryngologist and head neck surgeon, um, we take trauma call. And often these patients will come in with pretty significant wounds that require us to be involved, meaning that, you know, lots of people can get bitten by dogs and it doesn't always necessitate healthcare uh, or prompting, you know, an emergency room visit or, or seeking, you know, to a surgeon. However, in our role on call for trauma, we often see dog bites and with these dog bite patients, some of the injuries can be pretty complex, requiring us to take them to the operating room. So when we see these patients with these significant injuries, we felt like it was our responsibility to report on what we were seeing on the front lines. And so the purpose of it was to report what we were seeing and also to see if there was an opportunity for educating the public on dog bites. So one of the things that we're always fascinated by is protocols and research, but obviously you weren't, you were using some of your research. So tell us about the type of data your team utilized. So we obviously use data from our own institution. And, you know, this is retrospective study because, you know, there's definitely different types of conducting research. If you can have, you know, these incidents occur, then you look back at the data and that's retrospective. There's another method of called perspective, but, you know, there's no real method to do this perspectively because these types of injuries come in pretty sporadically. So we looked at our own data. We also looked at all the published literature that was available that applied to what we were looking at, which is, you know, pediatric and adult dog bites and necessitated surgery that involved, you know, head, significant head and neck injuries. And then we uh, partnered with some of our colleagues at the University of Virginia and used their data as well, and that created our database. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. El Maragi, Chief of Otolaryngology at Nationwide Children's Hospital. So who's biting and what are the similarity or the features of these dog bites? So with regards to breed-specific um, I don't think that our study veered from what is already published, which is that pit bulls obviously have a high predisposition to bite, and the types of bites that are incurred by a pit bull are actually fairly damaging. And that, and that was pretty clear in our study, and that was consistent with us in the University of Virginia and the literature review that we did. Now, again, with our review, we definitely saw other breeds that bit, and the second most common breed that we saw was actually mixed breed, which is a lot of dogs that could end up uh, being adopted. And actually, you know, some of the most common dogs out there are mixed breeds. So it's no surprise that they were number two. And then in our study, number three was German Shepherds. But as a high, you know, Columbus, Ohio, for some reason, we have a lot of German Shepherds. So um, again, not, not a big surprise. And then were there, I mean, were the dogs biting like at the neck area, the face area, hands, or did it so just vary? It definitely varies, but again, with pediatric patients, we definitely saw a lot of dog bites to the face because, again, obviously a child is, you know, if you have a larger dog and a child that is like a toddler, their face is right at the, they're almost going face to face with the dog. So the dog will bite kind of what's in front of them. So we definitely saw a little, some trends towards that. 
Yeah, I wanted to take a step back because one of the things I thought was really interesting was you talked about, obviously, mixed breed dogs and adoption. Do you think that your study will have an impact on the rescue of a dog movement? I mean, so many people are rescuing dogs. I know in Dr. Fleck's practice, he doesn't see as many purebred dogs. More people are adopting from shelters these days. I hope not, because that's not really the goal of the study. Mm -hmm. The goal is to educate people on, you know, there's definitely some trends you could find with, with regards to specific species and the risk of biting. I think it's, it's to help a family make an informed decision as to when to introduce a dog into the family. You know, one of the things that's really interesting for us is, you know, finding interesting material for the show. And we have, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jason Stahl at the University of Ohio. He produced a study about um, about bacteria and, and germs and, and the AKC sponsored the study. So really about the risk factor of making sure if you're at a dog show or you're at a dog event, what type of germs could your dog pick up? And the study's great. And I referred to it at least two or three times a year. But for him, he said one of the biggest problems he had is just getting the word out. So what, when we read about your, when I read about your study, I was like, this is great because it does help. And people want dogs. You know, I was just talking about Ivanka Trump just acquired a dog. And, you know, of course, there were Internet trolls talking about how horrible it was because of the type of dog it was or whatever or what it looked like. But really, it's nothing that's greater than a kid and a dog. So if you are a parent out there, you know, obviously listening to Dr. Amaraji talk about that this could be a contributing factor for you so that you can think about, you know, supervision with a dog, picking a right dog and doing some dog training so that you won't have a horrible situation with your dog. Thus, once again, putting them back into, you know, farming them out or putting them back into the, the shelter system. So thank you so much for all the hard work that you guys did. Well, I appreciate your time, and thank you for uh, featuring our study. I appreciate it. Well, where can we find more about your study? Well, it's actually published in the International Journal of Pediatric Learnology. If you want valid data, that's where I would go. It's pubmed.gov. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Oh, my. That's the bell. Signifying it's time to wrap up the show already. Before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. Next week, we're talking about pet pool safety, understanding canine noses, and internet fraud from posting too much on social media. And before we go, we need to thank our guest, Dr. Fleck. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Colin Reich, Michelle Pollack, and Dr. Charles Emiraji. And, of course, we must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Just so you know... You can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs, which is really fun. Yeah, and if you have a question, you can write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the Link Podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.
Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. In 2007, the investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life.